Welcome to From the Shed End with myself, T-Dot. Theo, how are you doing? Not bad, thanks. It's Friday. I've got my second coffee of the day alongside here, which I'm going to need to get through the rest of my work emails after this recording. Looking forward to the game tonight as well. Um, unusual to say that on a Friday. Um, yep. We usually don't really have much football to look forward to on a Friday. And hopefully we get the result and it puts us in a good mood for the rest of the weekend. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Not bad. Like you, you know, I've, I've been ill this week. So, um, yeah, you know, normally I'd have the Enzo Fernandez video would have been out by now. The Gusto video would have been out and all of those things. But I've just been ill and it's, it's a weird illness because it's not really hit me or anything or I've not been. It's just been like my throat and just the, like being lethargic and all these weird things. So today's the first day that I've actually felt like well enough to, to do things and myself again. But apart from that, looking forward to the weekend, obviously, like you just mentioned, big game coming up tonight as well. Um, there's a lot to talk about throughout the next 45 minutes or so so as always before we do that let's just say if you can and you haven't done so already make sure you subscribe to the channel um give the video a thumbs up as well all of that stuff get interactive and you can see a few comments already coming in so we will be opening up the um the chance of people to jump on the stream as well give their views um so again thank you chris as well I think there, yeah, you have definitely have your chance to say um, what you need to say about the transfers and the media's narrative and Chelsea Fulham. We'll get onto that at some point as well. Um, let's start with the the, the big talking point, um, which I've just mentioned, and the the fact that we have officially signed Enzo Fernandez, a player that we've been both been talking about on here for what seems like months, but um, the deal got done at the final hour. It was it was bittersweet because at one point I thought it's not going to happen. Um, and I know you want to talk about Jorginho as well, but talk to me about Enzo Fernandez. Good signing, wrong timing. Talk to me. Really good signing. Yeah, um, like I said, at the start of January, I thought it was one that would go right down to the wire, and I was right. A um, couple of hours, I think, before before the 11 p.m. cutoff point. Um, Credit to Todd Bowley and Egg Bali. I think they probably didn't have many hours of sleep in Lisbon with the negotiations. Royal Rui Costa really seemed to you know, stand his ground, and um, you know he didn't want any players in exchange. He wanted the four hundred and seven million that he requested for the for, for the release clause. Um, in terms of Enzo Fernandez, uh, one of the most promising young players in world football, in my opinion, we saw that at the World Cup. Twenty two years old, which is a perfect age. Eight and a half year contract, so we'll be having him for until two thousand and thirty one. Um, he's more of a defensive-minded player from what I've read, but um, he does have that technical ability to kind of offer his support to the attacking players and pl play a bit of a role of a playmaker. So I think it's exactly what we need now because we know we've spoken so much about Jorginho maybe slowing you know, the play down a little and not really being as creative. But I think Fernandez might be that player we need a bit of drive, a bit of energy in the heart of our midfield. And we, we've spoken so many times as well about having that midfielder, whether it's going to be Bryce, Bellingham, Fernandez to replace Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic in the long term. And it seems like we've got a man now. Um, I think Boli as well. As soon as he watched him in the World Cup back in December, he said, this is the man I want. Um, as soon as he left the pitch, I think in the World Cup final, I think that's when in his head, he started maybe getting the paperwork done in negotiations. Um, but yeah, I'm really pleased it happened. Obviously, it's a big fee. But I think it's uh, 40 million in one go. And then I think smaller installments every year. So obviously, so we can spread that across in the books and meet the financial fair play regulations. But like I said, really pleased we got him. Um, it felt like the one that was really would have been a successful window, but now it's been a really successful window, in my opinion, because of the addition of Enzo Fernandez. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, obviously, before the, the, the deal was done, there was always a small possibility that he was going to stay. And I know that Rui Costa was one of those play, uh, one of those uh, people that wanted the player to stay. He didn't want him to go. Um, you know, like you just said, literally the final hours of the transfer window was probably when this deal was, was finalized and done. There was so many sort of um, things that potentially were happening behind the scenes while the, the negotiations were happening. At one point I read that he had a medical in Portugal. Then I read that he hadn't had it. There were still conversations, negotiations and, Everything just seemed up in the air. Um, and then I think at one point, I mean, the Fabrizio Romano um, tweet, the here we go tweet was satisfying. But but there's, I mean, if you remember back to, I think Rafinha, and I think he gave us a here we go for, for him as well. So I wasn't really still, I still wasn't convinced it was happening until I saw David Austin um, give the, the green light. And that's when you can 
you can kind of you know sit back and and and, and enjoy the, the signing happening but I think he's a brilliant player you know he, again you look at other fan bases they'll say that you know it's a lot of money to pay for someone who was only valued at 10 million you know 12 months ago or less than 12 months ago but you know the inflation is, is crazy in English football the fact that he's been to a World Cup he's a World Cup winner he's, he's, he's played really well for his, his country um, and helped him lift the World Cup and if I'm honest I mean it's just the, the price you have to pay sometimes for these players this is this could be a massive investment for for the, the club you know um, the structure of the payment it suits the club it suits obviously Benfica which is one of the things that they were holding out for the correct structure um, and you know a lot of people will say that we've got him on a, a long-term deal but again if it works out well and he does well and performs well then I don't see I don't see the problem in that I think he's a someone that we've been missing we've neglected our midfield for so long um, needed to happen and at any cost and if it's a hundred and you know, 200 million. If if that's what it takes to bring someone in of this if this caliber, this level, we we've watched him at the World Cup. You know, some people have watched him for Benfica. Then so be it. You know, we just sometimes you have to bite the bullet. You know, Jack Grealish went for 100 million, but it doesn't the, the scrutiny hasn't been been given to Jack Grealish. So <laughs> I'm confused as to why there's a, a scrutiny around Enzo Fernandez and the fact of his value rocketing through the ceiling. It, it's it's irrelevant. I mean, if he does it on the pitch, then no one's going to remember he's 100 million. He's, he'll probably recoup that fee on the pitch in no time, in my opinion. Yeah, and like you said, you know, English football clubs, the prices are inflated at the moment. You looked at last summer, the prices, the extortionate prices that Liverpool and Manchester United pay for Darwin Nunez and yep. for Anthony. Um, and I think that just sets the bar now. And I think 80 million is the new 40 million and 120 million is the new 80 million in a way. And I think it's going to be, and no one talks about price tags as soon as a player performs well. You look at Van Dijk, he went for, I think, 75 million from Southampton to Liverpool. No one talks about that price tag. He's performed so well. So fingers crossed um, we'll be talking, we won't be talking about his price tag anymore because he will start to perform. And um, uh, we still, we're still unsure if he's got a feature tonight even. Um, I think he just needs to get a, the paperwork needs to be completed before 4 p.m. to get his work permit. And if that's done, he has a chance he features in our midfield tonight. I, th- I think he will. I think he's, um, the, I mean, the press conference yesterday, Graham Potter, kind of mentioned you know he's he'd be he'd be ready for the game if he can be with the the, per, uh, the registration going through I think he trained yesterday with the team as well for the first time so you know and, and he, he's been relatively I know he hasn't played much football um, in terms of you know starting games with Benfica and he's, he's sort of missed a couple of training sessions with him before he moved over to Chelsea but I think at the end of the day you know he's he's a professional footballer you know he's not at the back end of his career he's at the, the prime of his career you know he's going to and we're almost forced to play him tonight. I think we're going to have to, and we're going to get onto Chelsea Fulham later, but we're going to be forced to play him because of the injuries to, to Kovacic in midfield and obviously the loss of Jorginho. So we don't really have a choice in midfield if we can play him to, to play him, in my opinion. But um, I want to talk about uh, Malo Gusto, another player that we, we signed. Um, I feel like he's been over a little bit because of Fernandez deal and obviously we've loaned him back to Leon as well. But quality player. Um you look at uh, Pedro Poro, who we were linked with as well. You look at Hakimi a couple of years ago that we were linked with. And I feel like we've got the balance right in terms of, in terms of that. Um, you know, at the moment, I think you look at, um, you know, Reese James, if we can keep him fit, you know, Gusto seems like the understudy to Reese James. And I think he's comfortable to play that position. Do, do you think that's the case? Or do you think maybe, you know, Gusto does have the opportunity now to leapfrog Reese James to, you know, start in, for Chelsea once he comes to the club next summer so there's always a chance that Gusto performs and um, leapfrogs Rhys James and starts um, every game and cements himself in the first team that being said um, we haven't watched him play yet um, Rhys James does have that probably those problems with injuries so I think it'll be healthy competition for one and, one and the other because you look at Azpilicueta now I don't think he'll be here next season I think in the mm-hmm. summer it's just for his sake and our sake we need to cut ties with him um, unless he's happy to just be that face in the dressing room like John Terry was during the 2016-17 uh, season under Antonio Conte. But I don't think Azpilicueta should be our second choice, maybe third choice, but not second choice anymore. And um, exciting player, really young. Um, obviously, it was part of the agreement that we'd loan him back to Lyon. It would have been ideal if we could have had him for the rest of the season, given Reese's um, track record of injuries. I'm almost sure that he'll pick up another injury before um, before June. But um, really healthy competition for James and um, 
player that I haven't really much watched of, um, watched much of, but I'm excited. And clearly, we got a man. He was the player we wanted, um, and looking forward to seeing him in, um, fit in in the summer. Yeah, definitely. I think he's, you know, um, I agree with you about Aspie. I think Aspie, we know his his time should have come to an end last season or the start of this season at least. But I think. For me personally, I think if Reece James can't stay fit, I've, I, I do feel that Malagusto is probably the player. Again, like you, I haven't watched much of him, but from what I've been told and reports that I've read about him, he's someone that will be able to come in and do a job. Um, I, I like the fact Troy Chalib has filled in in that role more recently and he's done, he looks very comfortable. But I think if you've got someone who's naturally um, equipped to play in that position, you know, that right back position or potentially even a right wing back position if we play the back, back three with the centre backs, you know, I, I think he he has to come in and be able to be straight into that team. And it is a shame that we've had to loan him back because I feel like this season now, for me personally, isn't about trying to, you know, win the league or win the Champions League. If we win them, that's a bonus or we, you know, we make top four, it's a bonus to me. But I think this season is about embedding a lot of these new players that have coming in. And I think he's definitely got to be part of that. So for me, there's going to be a catch-up for him over, um, you know, the next, let's say the next... Um, couple of weeks in the preseason window, it's got a lot of catching up to do in terms of where maybe Enzo Fernandez will be, Madweki, uh, you know, all these other players that we brought in, they might be slightly ahead of him in terms of how Graham Potter wants them to play in the system that we'll be playing as well. But um, let's talk some outgoings because let's start with Jorginho, who um, it was reported, I think, two or three days before the window was shut that he. Um, was potentially looking at a move away from the club. Obviously, his contract talks had stalled before that, but to Arsenal, I think, was a shocker for a lot of people. And um, I, I think for me personally, I've always said, I'm, you know, Jorginho on his day is a good player. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously a world-class winner. He's you know, won the World Cup. He's, he's done all the things. Um, he slows down a lot of play for me. And I think that was one of the things I've always said. He's, a, he's one of these players is just slows down the play and I think the way that Graham Potter wants us to play going forward he was going to be one of those players that we just couldn't carry into the next season but give me your thoughts on Jorginho leaving but also going to potentially next season could be a rival in Arsenal I'm not a fan of this move I'm really not a fan of this move um, I, agree, I agree with you um, he slows down play and I think it was time for him to move on um, I would have preferred had it been in the summer I think uh, he's still got a job. Uh, he still had a part to play at Chelsea in the next six months, especially that we're short on depth now in midfield. You look at the game that we have tonight, we may be forced to bring in Enzo Fernandez um, to play two days after we signed him. Um, we would have only had maybe one training session with the first team because we no longer have Jorginho. Kovacic is injured. Kante is injured. Dennis Zakaria is injured. So it kind of leaves us a bit short and we're still competing in Europe. This big kind of, and Jorginho has that European experience. He helped us win the Champions League. He could have had a you know a part to play in those Dortmund ties that are coming up this month and next month. Hopefully, the quarterfinals too. Um, we're giving him to Arsenal, who I think um, who are on track to win the league. I hate to say it, it pains me to say it. And we're strengthening a team that are going to be, like you said, our rivals next season. It's a good age, you know, to have that leadership figure in the dressing room at Arsenal, which is a very young side at the moment. I think um, Partey may be injured and he might fit in and, you know, replace Partey alongside um, uh, Shaka. Um, I think El Nenny's injured as well. El Nenny as well. Um, I mean, you look at our last kind of players that we've let go to Arsenal, David Luiz, Willian, they haven't really worked out and then they've ended elsewhere a year or two later. So that gives me a bit of hope that maybe he'll be back at Napoli or back in Brazil after maybe in two summers' time, potentially. Um, but yeah, uh, would have, I still think um, I would have liked to see him remain at Chelsea for the next six months and let him go for free to uh, Barcelona or back to Syria in in the summer. Yeah, I think it, it, I mean, I think it was one of those that, Jorginho, we had to get rid of someone in this window. I, I don't think we could have gone into the window, especially with Enzo Fernandez coming in. And I think once those injuries back, the Kantes, you know, Kovacic and uh, Dennis Zakaria, I think you look at how overly stacked we are in that department. Uh, you know, we, we talk about depth in a minute, but in terms of, um, I mean, we can bring that up now, actually. The, the amount of plays that we will have in those positions, you look at the, I mean, where does he fit in that pecking order? Um, you could easily say, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I personally, I, I like, you know, I like the fact we've got depth in the squad now, but I think with Jorginho, 
you know, I read the other day, Ampadu's um, got one of the highest passing uh, averages in, in European football this season. So I think that realistically, the model that Graham Potter and, um, you know, Todd Bowley and uh, everyone else at the club are trying to follow is bringing in, I think, youngsters, younger players and, you know, Kante will potentially will be next. You know, I think if he gets a contract, it's, it's only going to potentially be a year with the offer maybe of an extension, um, a year's extension. But I think he'll, he will be next. You know, he's, he's injury prone. Um, you know, he'll be, what, be 32, maybe 33 at that point. So I think that's the model that we're trying to go with is to bring in, you know, the likes of, um, you know, Ampadu. I think he's still got a, a, a role to do club whether it's off the, off the pitch. I think he's one of those players that just never really got a look in. Um, you know, I've watched him you know, in the a couple of times and he looks really good. Um, even in the Euros, I thought he, he impressed me as well. So, um, sorry, and the World Cup as well. Um, you know, there was times where I think he impressed me there. So I think the only thing that I have to question is why would you strengthen someone who's clearly looking on track to win the league? That's the only thing that worries me about that. And, the, the connection with Arsenal, but I, I think we've always done business with them. You know, I think we don't have any problems with with doing business with one team in North London. But I, I just think for him, Jorginho, it was a it was a deal that keeps him in London, keeps him potentially the surroundings that he's used to, and he just maybe doesn't want that move to Italy just yet. Or there, it, it might not have been that it was on the cards. Maybe there wasn't a club that you know he wanted to go to that wasn't. Um, you know, willing to sign him at this point for, for a fee. You know, maybe they did want to hold out to the summer, but, you know, Chelsea wanted to cash in and get some money, which is fair enough. You know, maybe it helped with the the Fernandez deal. We, we just know, but I, I do think with, with Jorginho, it's probably the right time for him to move on. I think, um, you know, he, like I said, I think he split the fan base and I think a lot of players in that at the moment, which is unfortunate, but I think he's one of those that for me personally, always slowed the game down and, you know, beyond the attack and his, his first instance was either to pass sideways or pass it backwards to a centre back. And I think the way we're trying to get this bubble, if that's what we're calling it going forward is to be, you know, quick, you know, quick passing, get it forwards and, and get all into the channels um, and work them. And I think Jorginho just wasn't that type of player to do that. So, I think it's a win-win, hopefully, with Fernandez coming in. Um, we'll see. But um, I think he was going to go anyway, let's be honest. He was going to go at the end of the summer. So we've got some money off it. And you think sometimes we let players go when really, really, we've done, I think we've done the right thing. We've got some money off a deal that was eventually, like you said, in the summer was going to be a free transfer. Fernandez was quick to pinch his number as well, wasn't he? Oh yeah, I, he's, he's, I think his shirt was still warm, and Fernandez <laughs> snatched the number five off it and um, put it on his own. But um, a, another player that we're see we're talking about is is Hakim Ziyech, who uh, looked like he was due a move at PSG. Now, I don't want to put anyone's blame out there, but it looks like it was a fault of Chelsea. The fact that the documents were sent over, um, emailed over, um, it sounds like a very Microsoft thing where you think the email's gone through and it's back and it doesn't really tell you unless you check the Outlook outbox to see that you haven't actually sent your email. It sounds like that's kind of happened with with the deal. It's a massive schoolboy error, I'm going to be honest. I think if you're talking about a transaction in terms of potential million pounds, um, I know it was a loan, but let's say it wasn't a loan. Imagine it was a sale. Imagine we were buying someone whatever the case is, it's the balls up uh, to, to do, man. But what do you think about Hakim Ziyech? I mean, he's obviously still at the club now. He's back in training. Graham Potter said that he's ready to play if he needs to. Um, what's your thoughts on Hakim Ziyech? And, and, and where does he go from here now? Does he just need to get his head down and, and hopefully get a move in the summer? Yeah, I think it was our previous recording, episode 79, we said um, after the Liverpool game that either he's playing particularly well in the last two games because he's he wants to impress Potter and he wants to stay at Chelsea and wants to play a pass for the rest of the season or because he's looking to play for a move away from the club. And I think it's clearly now that that move to PSG or that um, fallen, that move that fell through, it's proved that it's the second option. He was he was playing for a move away from, from Chelsea. Um, I do feel maybe that's that, that Hikimi Ziyech connection maybe you know, persuaded him to go to, to, to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, I think it's a schoolboy error from, error from Chelsea, like you said. Um, technical glitch, as they called it, or not having sent the correct f- paperwork three times in a row. You just don't make that mistake. 
you really don't make that mistake. And maybe I don't know if they, all their attention was on Enzo Fernandez and they weren't really paying attention to sending the correct documentation to um, to, pa- to Paris. But um, it's silly. Um, it, you know, his yesh was left in um, with egg in his, on his face in, in Paris probably. Um, you know, he had to fly back the next day. Uh, he probably wore the, the Paris training kits in the medical room. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's silly. It's, and then... Um, it reminds me a bit of the De Gea move to, to Real Madrid when the fax yeah. machine didn't work. But then I'm also thinking maybe he went, this is just a bit of a, a theory, but maybe he he traveled to Paris behind the club's back, potentially um, a bit odd and whingy style back in 2012. Yeah, yeah. And um, and maybe Chelsea purposely didn't send the paperwork. I don't know if that, that Chelsea would do that if they're, you know, they're as immature as that. But um, I think we don't know the truth behind this. Um but uh, but yeah, it's it's, it's silly. Um, he was smiling in training yesterday, and Potter confirmed that he'll be available for selection for tonight's game. I don't think it's correct for him to start. He might not still be in the right um, frame of mind, but um, but definitely a player that still can play a part in um, in uh, in our squad. And hopefully, he has the correct attitude now and um, for the next six months, and just um, gives it his all for the team and the badge. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's definitely a, it's, it's a balls up. Let's be honest. I think you know he's. He's someone that's never really fully committed to the club anyway. And I think, you know, he's always had a disengagement with not just the club, with the fans. And you can see there's been things that's happened behind the scenes that have almost spilled out onto the pitch. And body language is a massive thing in football. You can tell when a player wants to play for a club or he's unhappy or something's gone on. So I don't think he's ever been fully committed at Chelsea anyway. Um, And if I'm honest, I think it would have been the best move for him to go to PSG you know, to get away from the club, even on a loan deal option. I think that was one of the things as well. There was, um, I think PSG wanted an option uh, to buy in the clause and I don't think Chelsea were keen on that. No. But I might have got that wrong. But just in terms of Hakim Zia, I think he has to, for me, he still plays for, for Chelsea. He's still got to put the shirt on. He's still got to play for the for the badge, in my opinion. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I always question someone who doesn't want to commit to the team to the to you know to the squad does he need to be should he be in the team and I still think 100% yes because you know sometimes that you know in an average job if you worked in a supermarket or you worked in a gal you couldn't just one day because you're not happy you just not turn up or not put in a shift I think you have to, you get to do a job and I think you've got to, you've got to go into that with that mentality of regardless of you wanting to move away it hasn't happened you've got to put that to one side now and and get on and and hopefully that that deal can materialize in the summer um for me personally but i, I think yeah it's, it's it's sad for him because i think like i said perfect move it would have made sense to go um i, I do think he's going to be used in the squad I, I do i think he has to be i think he's he, before the sort of uh, transfer window was shut he was one of the players that you could see there was something he was trying to do to get the ball in the box and hmm. He has got quality. I think we forget how good Hakim Ziyech was before he came to Chelsea. He played for Ajax and, you know, the game at Stamford Bridge where he just tore us apart so almost like single-handedly. So, you know, he's a, he's a quality player. And I don't, I, you know, I think the criticism for me that I give him is because of the the, the body language. The, the attitude, yeah. 50% that he gives when he can give you know, 100% on a game. He doesn't always give you that. He'll give you 50, he'll give you a good ball into the box. Where he doesn't yeah. do it consistently enough throughout that game or, you know, back-to-back games or just a consistent run of games. You never see that from him. So you know, I think he's got to do it more. And there's still a chance for him to still stay at the club. But he's got he's got to he's got to play for the badge. It's as simple as that. Let's remember who his best mate was last season as well. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Romelu Lukaku. Yeah. And I think the two of them are quite similar with their egos and their body language and their attitude. I think I shared it with you yesterday, but Hakim Ziyech hasn't posted a single related Chelsea post on Instagram since July 2022. Yeah. So I yeah. think this season, his mind's not with Chelsea, he's not committed to Chelsea. But like you said, you're under contract by the club. You still have to turn up to work, you still have to do the job, you still have to act professional. And that's now what he has to do for the next six months. And then hopefully he gets his move to Paris in the summer. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm going to go in. Go because I can see Chris is putting a few in here. So uh, Enzo's criticism now because he's a Chelsea player. That's the way it is. Hasn't even stepped foot on the pitch as a Chelsea player, yet people are saying he's overrated. Shocking opinions. I agree with that 100%. Um, jealousy. Out- it's jealousy. It is jealousy. I mean, it's de- definite jealousy. Um, outgoings, Aubameyang, Loftus-Cheek, Aspilicueta, possibly Mendy, Ziyech, likely Pulisic. You could add a couple more onto that list. Callum Hudson-Odoi. Um, 
I think Kovacic was mentioned on that list um, yesterday. On the Gallagher. There's, I think there's a couple that potentially do even just to balance out the book slightly, um, which we're going to talk about now in terms of the financial fair play. Um, and, and sorry, Chris, yeah, we are going to put the link um, in this chat very soon. So make sure you stay on on so we can get your views as well. So um, I haven't forgotten about that. But just in terms of financial fair play, um, as you mentioned at the start, in terms of the um, Enzo Fernando's deal, Fernandez deal, 40 million up front with the installments, this isn't something new. I think I think let's just say that because there's a lot of clubs up and down the country that do this. I think it's just magnified one because of the fee, because it's Chelsea as well, let's be honest. Um, because I mean we were going into administration, you know, not not too long ago apparently. We couldn't even get a, a, you know an airplane in, into the sky. You know, we were, we were struggling to get you know, we couldn't sell match day tickets. Let's remember a lot of people thought we were going into administration and there were you know, it was all we were banter FC at one point, but Financial fair play is something that's obviously been around and there are loopholes that you can use to get around it, which you know, not we're not just the first club. Man City have done it before. You look at PSG, you know, all these things. I do think we have to be careful because we run the risk, especially if we don't get Champions League. I think that is a massive for next season's um, financial fair. So if we were to get a transfer ban, which is one of the things that I think has been batted around. If we don't make Champions League, it has an impact on financial fair play. If we were to get a transfer ban, in my opinion, and I'm going to ask yours now, but in my opinion, I don't think it would matter that much because we've been able to secure a lot of the deals I think we were going to try and get done in the summer in this window. But what's your thoughts on financial fair play and the fact that we kind of loopholed our way through it and we seem to be at the other end of it now but there is still that risk of the the ban yeah i think like you said because it's chelsea because of these big fees that we're playing uh, huge release clauses maybe as well because we have, we have a new american owner people seem to be paying a lot more attention to chelsea but let's not forget that man city were you know they they breached financial fair play regulations paris as well and they didn't get bans they never got bans um i think only atletico madrid got a ban recently i can't remember if that was ffp related but like you said, I think um, there maybe is still a chance um, we go we, we get a ban in the near future. And I feel like we have assembled a very decent squad needed with a lot of depth, like we just showed on the screen before. And let's not forget, the only thing missing now is that number nine. And it seems like we even, we've even already agreed a deal for our number nine in the summer um, in, um, in Cuckoo. Um, and a lot of talented youngsters. We've still got Levi Colville. We've still got Lewis Hall, who's improving every game. I think, I don't want to jinx it, but I do think we've got a decent squad should we need to go into a transfer ban, but let's not, let's try not to think about that for now. Let's hope that Bowley's done everything that he needs to, you know, avoid those, the repercussions and, you know, respect those loopholes. But, um, but yeah, let's, um, yeah, looking at that squad now, obviously you've got the two, um, two um, Lonies and Dennis Zachariah and Jao Felix. And maybe if there's a, if we do get a transfer ban, we can still maybe sign those players like we did with Kovacic um, back in 2019, I believe. But yeah, it's um, very lot of depth in that squad for sure. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions because I was I was thinking, you know, I think Jao Felix is definitely staying at the club. I've resigned to the fact that he, I don't think he wants to go back. Um, so I think we I think we keep him. I think we're going to keep him. I think actually there'll be some because um, you're right. I think it was Kovacic, wasn't it, from the previous ban was able to sign him um and and i think i think dennis akara is a tough one because i think we do need that depth you've just mentioned around losing Jorginho. we don't know what kante is going to be like when he is fully fit next season so i think he'd be a good squad player to keep in the team but i also do think ethan ampadu i i would like to see him i would like to give him a chance i don't think he's ever really had a real run yeah i don't think he's had a run of, of, of games or at least you know, half a season at chelsea where he's been able to cement himself it's like Trevor Chalabra has, you know, Lewis Hall's having it now. Um, to, to to see what he can do in the squad, I think he's such a really good, versatile player and he's someone that we do need in the squad. And if if he can do the job, the job that Dennis Zakaria has been doing for us this season, we can kind of afford to let him back to, you know, get, get him out of the club and keep Ethan Ampadu at the club. Um, I, I still think we should have kept Billy Gilmore, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, Let's move on. We'll keep it linked to that. We're still talking new signings, but let's talk about UEFA Champions League. 
which is coming back very soon, which seems like it's been a while. Um, I think you're going to the away fixture, if, well, home and away, I think, but the away fixture, um, Dortmund, very jealous. It's a ground I still haven't been to yet. But um, before we get on to, and we're not going to talk too much about the game, but just in terms of the registration of the players, obviously we were able to register um, three there's three players into the squad and also um which was mentioned um after the window shut around the category B list of players that we can include. Now a lot of those, um you look at Mudrick, I think who falls in there, Madweki, I would, would assume would fall into that as well. You know, even Jao Felix was I think was one of the, the names that um, was asked to Graham Party yesterday, is he in contention to be in the squad? So I think we should be able to fit pretty much all the new signings into a list of Champions League players. I think, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't know about the category B as such. I'll I'll put my hands up, I had to read into it, but it's a good loophole to have. It's not a loophole, so it's there for anyone to use. It should surely give us a a good opportunity to go on and do well in the Champions League. Yeah, I think we both watched the same Sky Sports um, news video where he kind of lists the the rules and they're talking about that category B um, players, which I think are under 22 yep. I think signed um, their birthdays before the 4th of January something along those lines but if that's the case then we can get Bajashil um, Madrik um, Madweke uh, Fafana I think even into that category yep. B uh, and then I think um, we should be able to register another three and let's not forget we've we've, we've a, a, a spots freed out now with Jorginho um, I still don't know maybe if we're going to keep players like Pulisic Kante in the Champions League squad we don't know really when they're kind of when they're going to be fit again but I think it's a great loophole like you said to have and it gives us a huge um, opportunity to kind of add all this quality and depth to our Champions League squad um, especially going into those Dortmund fixtures um, having players back from injuries adding players to the, to the squad I think I'm a lot more confident going into those games now than I was maybe back in November or December yeah and I I don't want to say it but I'm going to say it. I mean it wouldn't surprise me if you go on a run in the Champions League and actually go on to win it. I mean, that's more realistic, I think, than trying to get top four. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think, you know, I think sometimes we just turn up in, in European like in European games, we just somehow flick a switch and we can perform. And I'm into more Champions League than I am in the league this season, which is really weird. I think I'm just resigned to the fact that we're so far down. I think we're 10 points off top four at the moment. Um, you know, if we lose tonight, then it's, you know, you're talking to almost an impossible task to get top four. So I think if we do get top four, then it's a bonus to me. I, I don't see it as a, I don't see this season now as a, we've got to get top four. I really don't. So I think if we can do something in the Champions League, which I think potentially we can do. I mean, Dortmund are a, a really good team, but you look at the signings in the, the plays you just mentioned, having those in, you know, having Reece James, Having Ben Chilwell back, Raheem Sterling, you know, even utilizing still Christian Pulisic when he's back, um, you know, Enzo Fernandez into a team. I think this is where I'm sort of putting my hope into the season is is the Champions League because I think we we have we have shown before that we've come up against massive tests. You think back to um, you know the, the last time we won it as well. How many? obstacles we had to overcome to get there to get to the final to even beat Man City at the time bearing in mind we were the underdogs in that final um I, I think it's a it's a really good opportunity for us to at least get something out of the season and you know we're out, we're out of two domestic trophies like I said champ top four doesn't really seem appealing at the moment so I think we have to focus attention on that just league in my opinion I don't I don't know what you think if you agree or you disagree yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, we, we've seen us go on crazy Champions League runs in crazy seasons where everything seems to have gone wrong uh, throughout the season. Uh, crazy things have happened at Chelsea Football Club. It's only seven more games if we were to, I'm not gonna, if we were to win it. Um, seven more games of football. Uh, arguably, that's on paper. That's not a lot of games compared to you know if you want to win the Premier League. That's why a lot of players say that winning the Premier League is harder than winning the Champions League at times. Um, but yeah, and I think I, I know someone who may have put, put a bet as well that they're, we're going to win the Champions League, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> someone, someone had to do it. Someone had to do it. And I think I might follow that person as well. Just uh, It's always worth a little tenner. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've got every chance. I don't, I, you know, with the Champions League, it's anyone's. You know, who wants it more? Um, who turns up on the night? 
you know, you have to factor in injuries and all that stuff as well. But I just think, you know, we've had some re you look at the two times we've won Champions League and some of the obstacles we had to going back to even when Roberto Di Matteo was in charge and the Barcelona night and just just things like I mean, we went through a lot in both of those, even the final, uh, you know, penalty shootout. So yeah, I mean, I, I can see us going far in that. But let's turn our attention to tonight's game. Um, big game. I say this every single time we record. It's a must win um, if we are to try and salvage anything from this season. But we go into this game um, almost, you know, a replica of the last game, really. Um, not too long ago. But give me your thoughts. Chelsea versus Fulham, 8 o'clock kickoff, Stamford Bridge. I think you'll go into the game as well. But... What's going into the game? Yeah, um, it's all like I said. I think on the last pod, we've got a kind of this feel-good vibe about the club, the the players, and the, the mood at Chelsea Football Club at the moment. I do feel um, we've strengthened a lot since the last time we played Fulham, which was only I think two weeks ago now. Yeah, uh, you look at the team that started against Fulham. There was no Badgeshiel in that. There was no Mudrick. There was no Madwicky. And I think those are three players that will play a part tonight, um, particularly just in Madrid. Just about do you a favour. Get the lineups. There we go. Yeah, so this is my predicted lineup. Um, I've gone with the same uh, back four that played against Liverpool uh, last weekend, or two weekends ago, should I say. Kepa stays in goal, obviously. Um, like I mentioned before, given the lack of kind of depth we have in midfield at the moment with Jorginho's um, transfer exit, um, Kante and Kovacic and Zakaria's injuries, I think Fernandez has got to start. I think it's the yep. game for him to start. It is always a bit tricky throwing a player into the lineup after, you know, we've just signed him. We saw how that worked with Sal um, when we signed him on loan from Atletico last season. Even Jao Felix in the reverse fixture against Fulham. Uh, he was brilliant, but then he just, he literally saw red and he, he had that moment of madness. Um, Loftus-Cheek, I think just give, I think it could, it's a toss between Loftus-Cheek and Chukumweka, but I'm going to go with Loftus-Cheek just because he's a bit more of a bully and that experience. And then Mount, Madrick, Medwicke and Havertz. And the one that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Madrick. We saw his cameo against Liverpool, how promising and exciting that was. It's almost like every time he had the ball, it was someone, someone had released a, a German shepherd off a leash in a way and he just was <laughs> running down the running down the wing. Yeah. Um so we're really excited to see him today. And I think that's if we are going to win, I think that's the player that may make a difference. And I'm actually expecting a goal on his on his Stamford Bridge debut tonight. Yeah, I think I mean I like this lineup. I think before we came online, we we spoke about, you know, the middle and how we might need to be forced to use Fernandez. And I agree with you hundred percent. I don't think if we're gonna win this game or at least get something out of it, I think we have Fernandez and you know ideally you wouldn't want to throw someone who's probably trained once with the, the team um you know new to the whole surroundings of the league the climate whatever whatever it is you wouldn't want to throw him straight into a game you know you want him off the bench and I think like I said to you before I remember you know all our recent signings going back to even Kukurea even under Thomas Tuchel you know never you know they always come and you try and just phase them into a into a team into a game um you know Badia Shield start on his debut he, he sort of just it's given a bit of time to embed into the team, but I think needs must. You know, I think we we still have to evaluate where we are where we are in the season. You know, we 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 tenth, like I said, we're ten points. I think off top four. Um, I know there was obviously we were talking a couple of games ago about potentially you know relegation and and things like that. And I think we still I think we still have to look at the the, the teams behind us. I think we do. You know, because there's going to be a lot of teams now this part of the season that will just want to try and pick up points wherever they can and. There's going to be some crazy results, I think, especially bottom end of the table. We just don't want to be sucked into that sort of, you know, 15th or 16th. But you just don't want to be there come, you know, April, May. Um, you just don't want to be there. So the higher up the table we are, the better. Um, and I agree, you know, obviously you see my lineup, but I agree pretty much mostly with, with the lineup. Um, and on you know, hindsight, I agree with you as well with, with um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I think he's got the experience in that midfield and you need someone He's just used to the Premier League a little bit more, especially with Fernandez coming in, albeit for the price tag or whatever. But on his debut, he wants one a bit more cooler-headed, a bit more experienced, level-headed, maybe just alongside him as well. Um, I saw a couple online where I think they had Conor Gallagher next to him and I just thought hey, that's a, it's a recipe for disaster um, <laughs> playing him there. I love the player, but I just think having Conor Gallagher in a double pivot with Enzo Fernandez on his debut, you're asking for a lot of trouble. Um, my, my line isn't that much 
different to yours, to be fair. And I know, I know I've always said about Aspilicueta and his legs being finished. But I think this is the game. He came on against, I think it was Liverpool. Um, one of the games, it's been that while, uh, that long since we played a game. I can't remember, but I think it was, I think it was Liverpool. He came, he saw the game out and he done, he done okay. He done all right. I was impressed with him. And I think there's, I mean, the, the, the other option is Chalabar. But I just think for this game and how we played against Fulham last time, I think we should have Aspilicueta again with that experience in that back line. I think we're going to need it more so than ever in tonight's game as well. Like you've kept pretty much the same back line apart from Aspilicueta. I've gone for Carney Chukwameka in midfield. Um, like I know I've just said about Ruben Loftus cheek, but I just think coming back from the injury that he has, I, I, I don't really want to see, you know, I don't want to see Reese James on the pitch today tonight I don't want to see Chilwell um, I know I think Raheem Sterling might be back in contention as well I don't want to see any of them I don't want to see any of those players playing as, as little less there's a need for these players to come on the pitch I don't want to see them on there so I've gone for Kainé Chokomega who I've, I've been impressed with you know I think he's been a, a really good place to join the club and he's filled in in different various roles like we've both mentioned Fernandez has to start the game for me I don't think there's any other option but to start Enzo Fernandez tonight um, and I've gone with Hakim Ziyech I think you had Madweki there but I've gone for Ziyech only because again I've gone for the experience and I think I'd like to see Madweki come on you know throughout the game I think um, he's someone that I think we do need to integrate into the squad and I think if we can play Ziyech and it will, this would be a massive test for him as well for Hakim Ziyech if he, if he comes on and you can see him putting in a blinder. Well, it tells you that he definitely wants to move away from the club, or he wants to play for the he wants to play for the badge. So either way, I'm happy because he's putting in he's putting in a, a nine out of ten performance. But um, like you, I think uh, Mudrick is the looking forward to watching tonight. I just thought the cameo that he did against uh, Liverpool was was brilliant, and I think he has to again start today, even above you know Raheem Sterling, who I feel might get the nod. Um, above maybe Mudrick, but I, I just can't see how you can leave him out after that cameo performance against Liverpool. Um, my only worry today, tonight, is Kai Havertz. It really is. And and he's he actually shut me up the last couple of games because he's played really well. But I just think you don't want Kai Havertz you're going to get. And you're either going to get the one who needs the, the, the 10 attempts to score a goal, or you're going to get the one who makes brilliant Run takes his chances, but he's just a bit unlucky. But with Hakim Ziyech and Mudrik on both sides of him, I can't. Again, this will be a test for Kai Havertz, and this is one of those times now. I think with this squad now, there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide in this squad anymore. Before you could potentially we haven't had a window, but there's players in all areas of the pitch now, maybe apart from the number nine at the moment, that are willing to step up to the plate and take your your position at the team. Um, so next season you can't hide, you know, you have to be on, you know, a, a nine out of 10 or whatever, um, for, throughout. So I do want to see, you know, Madweki come on. I want to see Raheem Sterling potentially if we do need to, but Reese James, Ben Chilwell should not be anywhere near this squad tonight. Um, or I don't think we should be, I think we need to give Reese James more so the time to recover properly. I don't even want to see him on, on the bench if I'm honest, but I think he will be. Yeah, I think Potter mentioned yesterday in his press conference that Sterling, uh, Loftus Cheek, I can't remember if Loftus Cheek was included, but it was Sterling, Ben Shiwa, and Reese James. They're 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 back in the team, but they're not ninety minutes ready. Yeah. So yeah. I think that probably means that they'll probably get 15, 20 minutes off the bench. But even that will probably they might be pushing it with Reese James. Um, but we'll I think we'll from a mistake. We'll have to do a Reese James roulette again and yeah. see. Um, what minute in the One second minute. half he's going to snap his Achilles or whatever again. But, um, you know, I think we've got to win. We've got to get three points. I think it's a, it's a must. Um, it's a must for us to do that. I think, though, like I said, Graham Potter's been backed now. He's, he's been given plays that he's potentially wanted in or, you know, the, the club have said you've got to work with these, these, this caliber of, caliber of players. Um, the excuses can't keep carrying on. You know, if you get these things back now got to at least put in good performances and you know string back-to-back performances of, of you know wins back-to-back wins together um as, as much as we can in the season now i think but give me your prediction um for, for the for the game I, I think it's um 
I don't think any of us have really been right this season. I can't remember. No, I don't think we've got a single one right so far. Um, Sums up the season pretty much. I think I think I mentioned it on someone's um, Instagram I reply, so I'll stick with what I said there, but I said 2-1 Chelsea. Like I said, I think Mudrick starting may make a difference. It may give us that bit more creative edge. It may give Havertz a bit more, um, you know, putting balls on the plate for him. I spoke about Enzo Fernandez as well, being able to support the attacking players. So I think um, that may make, may make a difference. And I think we'll be able to get a, two, a couple goals, two goals. And I think the home support as well will help. Um, like I said, it's this feel-good mood around Stamford Bridge at the moment again. So I think, um, yeah, the, the home crowd should be able to carry the players and the team to, a, to get a three points. I'm going to stick with 2-1. Yeah, that's been my that's been my go-to this season. So I'm going to stick with it. Um, I, I do think it's going to be a tough game, but I think the fact that we're at Stamford Bridge, I think you know, a home fixture, um, the buzz that apparently has been around the, the, the club over the last couple of days, and I think we haven't mentioned it, but I think there's been some sort of uh, bonding session. No, to what extent that means, or I don't want to dress it up to what it's not. But in terms of you know group activities with. The, the team obviously not playing in the FA Cup last weekend. It's been given, it's given great part of the time to actually work on things on the training ground as well. So um, I think 2-1, I think a really good game, but I'm expecting, as I said, you know, Mudrik, uh, if it is Hakim Ziyech or Madweki, whoever on the other side to to supply that ball into Kai Havertz and Kai Havertz to know what to do with it as well. But um, I'm going to bring Chris in because Chris is... Oh, just, yeah. Um, I was just going to say we know who's scoring for Fulham as well don't we yeah yeah put money on that <laughs> if you're a betting person put some money on on uh, William. Mr William to score Chris Chris, are you there with us can you hear us yeah what's going on lads how are we I'm not too bad how oh, you doing good, thanks well I think the last time we spoke lads the last time I, it was, after, was it after the Fulham game where I came on and obviously was talking about Potter yep. I mean I can't even think about what's much has happened there Chelsea's been very quiet in the window isn't they they've, they've not really seen that much players obviously look <laughs> Um, yeah, as you say, there's no time for excuses anymore. There's no time for excuses. It's all about getting performances now and obviously results. Um, people kept bashing Potter with he's not been backed. Well, I'm sorry, he's been backed. You know, he's been backed now and there's no there's no excuses now. Um, yeah. Yeah, in terms, of, in terms of the signings we've made, Enzo Fernandez was a must. He was a must, you know, quality player. Um, was one of Argentina's best players, if not his best player. I mean, people will say Messi, but outside of Messi, I mean, you're looking at Enzo Fernandez for me. Um, you've got Mudrik, who obviously we've seen his little cameo against Liverpool, done well. We've got Joao Felix, who's obviously, obviously now we've got the suspension still, but we've seen his little cameo against Fulham. So for me, yeah, you know, we've got players there that can step in and do a job. Um, in terms of, what I will say is this, right? I'll, I'll say this. We... As Chelsea fans, we all know we won't ever get any praise. We won't get any respect even. You know, we do something well, we won't get any praise. Um, what I will say is people will say they're not jealous of Chelsea, but if they weren't jealous of Chelsea, they wouldn't be mentioning Chelsea every five minutes, and that's a fact, yeah? I see Klopp in his presser today, you know, crying as per. I see Pep was talking about, oh, you know, we don't talk about teams spending money. Mate, people can say Chelsea's 10th now. Yeah, we're 10th now. Now we're 10th. Next season, different story. Different story. And people know that. People know that. People people are delusional if they think that Chelsea will not be in a far better position than next season. So, it's all about next season. I know people will say you can't really say it's a write-off in terms of Premier League, but I think this extreme case of where we're sitting now, you know, the transition from Roman Abramovich to Todd Bowley and Clear Lake Capital, I think you can probably say it as a write-off. All focus should be on the Champions League. I think that's the only way we're going to get Champions League football next season. And if you know what, if we don't get Champions League, I would want to see Chelsea finish tenth because you know what, one game a season, eh, one game a season, one game a week, mate. I'm all for that because I think yeah. people forget the last time we finished tenth, we won the league the next season. So exactly, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for one game, one game a week. You know, you know, obviously the, 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 the domestic cups you've got as well. And in terms of the Champions League this season, it would not surprise me if we won it. I'm not saying we will, but it would not surprise me if we won it, guys. So, um, yeah, I think the media narrative is a bit shambolic. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way, you know? And we've seen, we've all seen it. We've seen it from there when Roman bought the club. We've now seen it when Todd's bought the club. We've spent money. We've bought big money. Um, and people are now going to be... They've seen it before, right? 20 years of success, clubs would love Clubs would love what we've done, success after success after success. And it's not as, it's not as if we've just done it for five years. 
We've done it for 20 years and we're here to stay. And now people can use this season. People seem to think this season's the only season to exist in football. Um, but what I will say is this. A team that's 10th <coughs> can sign top quality targets, their main targets, while a team at first have to settle for Jorginho and Trossard when they wanted Mudrik and Caicedo. So we can get our targets. Some other clubs don't have the pill, mate. So for me, um, yeah, I, tonight's game, I expect nothing more than a win. I know Fulham's been on, you know, they're, they're above us. Wow. You know, when, when's the parade? But for me, yeah, I, I expect nothing more than a win, guys. So I'm going to say 2 0. I'm going to say, okay, Mudrik, I think you should start. I think I'll say Mudrik and. Oh, why not Enzo Fernandez to score? Why not? <laughs> I like the ambition. What what would your what would your lineup be, Chris? What would you who would you go with as say a right back? Because obviously me and Theo, I've gone for um, Aspilicueta. Theo's gone for Trevor Chalabar. W- would you would you risk Reese James in a in a game where I think, I think I'm not saying he needs a result tonight, but I think there's going to be a lot of, like you just said you know the scrutiny the media scrutiny is always going to be about where you've spent X amount in this window we still expect you to get top four which is what the narrative is in the media but yeah. who would you go with as, as a right back or those those positions you know would you start Hakim Ziyech as well? Um, well in terms of right back I think yeah I look it's I know Reese James might think he's fit but he also said that as well and he got injured obviously that's not the player's fault I wouldn't risk him for this game it's Give him that extra week's rest, you know. Give him that extra time. Um, no, I wouldn't play him. Probably look at uh, Aspilicueta. I mean, I know he's, I know I've said that. He's, you know, it's probably the best time for him to go. At the same time, he's still there. He's still there to be used, and I think it's a more sensible. I think it's more sensible than reliable uh, option to pick in terms of Zayic. This guy's frustrating me. Right? I, by the way, I wanted Zayic when he came from Ajax. I was like, ah, yes. We've got a quality player here. He is a quality player. He's not a bad player. He's a, he's a, he's a very, very good player because you can see it with Morocco. Um, but as um, Seski Time said, by the way, good name, quality name there. So as, as he said there, right, he's not posted anything Chelsea-related since, what is it, July? Yeah. So you've got Felix, who's been here, what, not even a month, or coming up to a month, and he shows more care for the Chelsea badge than what Zayas does. And so does Zachariah, by the way. And obviously, he's only been here on loan. So it seems to me that it seems to be the loan players are showing more care and consideration for the club than what majority of the first team do. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, Zayic, I don't know. I mean, he's been okay recent games, but it's like does it, the guy doesn't want to be here. Um, so, nah, I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't play him personally. I mean, I know he's there to be used, but, you know, it's the same with Pulisic. Like, the guy can clearly do it. When you see him for the US national team, you see him for Chelsea, and where's the performances? Um, so yeah, I would I wouldn't risk I wouldn't risk uh, risk Reece James. My lineup would probably be Kepa, um, who was Aspilicueta, Silva, Badashili. I would still keep with Badashili. I mean, people say Kulabali. Badashili has been very very good for the, for the two games he's played. Uh, left back Kukarela, midfield Enzo. Uh, oh wow I mean it's Enzo Gallagher but it doesn't excite me it doesn't excite me Gallagher yeah. Enzo Chukwameka maybe you know I think that's a good I think he's been very good as well when he's played so yep. then you know you're looking at attack you're looking at the likes of oh, Havertz wow how exciting um, <laughs> Havertz Mudrik and I mean Mount as well but Mate, there's so many, there's so many players there that I'm just not excited by. I thought when you know when the bid for Gallagher came in, I was like, come on, yeah, that's this is. I know as much as I might be a, an academy player, when you're getting forty million plus five million add-ons for Gallagher, who, let's face it, are you going to get a much better offer than that for him? I think you should have took it, but obviously they want to go. As for Jorginho, I know you guys said you were gutted he left, or you you seen it was a bit disappointing considering the the players we got left. I agree with that, but at the same time, I feel it makes more sense on the business side, whereas the guy's not going to be here in the summer, and he was not going to extend. And, yeah, as as, as past players have shown, when they go to Chelsea, uh, when they go to Arsenal from Chelsea, Czech, Willian, uh, David Luiz, who else, William Gallas, or whoever else you want to mention, yeah, they don't work out, and I hope this is the case with Jorginho. Thank you for the time you had at Chelsea, but I hope he fails at Arsenal. I really, I really, I really, I really <laughs> we all want him to fail, I think. <laughs> yeah, I hope he fails. 
I don't think you're on your own there, Chris. But um, no, I'm looking forward to the game. And obviously, thank you very much for your input. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, what else? What else? Yeah, this this thing about um, I think Benfica's hurt themselves here in terms of future, not future sales because other clubs will obviously go. You should, you see a quality player at Benfica. I'm pretty sure Chelsea will be back in for it. But I think Benfica's hurt themselves in the stance that even the new reports that are coming out today. Look, I know that Rui Costa was only acting on Benfica's half, but I'm sorry. I think that kind of says at all about the, the individual when he's willing to <coughs> turn down 120 million just to keep a player who's going to go for less in the summer. I think when teams look at that, they'll say, negotiations, do we really want to go in there and waste the majority of the window because this guy will not want to have his ego hurt? I just think Benfica, they've got 120 million profit. They've got a massive, they've got a massive amount of money uh, from the, the sale. Obviously, money has to go to River Plate. Cool. I think it's 47 million though, Chris. I think that's one of the things with Benfica. I think River Plate have got 47 million from this deal. So I think Benfica probably thought, well, we're only getting, you know, a percentage of the the fee anyway. But uh, I do hear what you're saying. But then it goes goes to the summer though. They would have got less. So I know it's not ideal, but at the same time, River Plate added that clause and obviously Benfica agreed to the clause. So, you know, I know it's not ideal, but in Benfica's case, I just think the fact that they were willing to lose the amount of money they were they were going to make, you know, in the fee, the release clause, for the sake of keeping a player that would... He didn't even want to be there. The guy didn't even want to go. So, yep. um, yeah, I just think it's a big mistake on their end. And, uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, why not? Bring the Champions League for the third team back to the <laughs> I'll tell you what, the last players we've signed from Benfica, they have worked out. You know, Ramirez, exactly. Matic, David Luiz. So... And I see, it, I see it absolutely working for it. It's weird how, you know, when um, you look at a player and you think he's going to work out, I think with Enzo Fernandez, that's the case. I don't think it's going to, it's going to flop. If he flops, I'll be massively shocked. Massively. <laughs> it's not like we haven't spent 100 million on a flop before, to be fair, is it? I mean, <laughs> We're still on the boost. Still on the boost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, we definitely have done that before. But Chris, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining and, and no worries, tuning in and, and sticking in as well for the hour with us. But um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having me. Here's Chris. Um, yeah, I think, you know, at the end, I, I think, you know, like, like we've said before, I think, you know, it's, it's a massive gamble with Fernandez. I think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've got to give him time. I think I wouldn't want to assess Fernandez for another 12 months. I want to give him, you know, the whole preseason at the start. You know, I think not just him, a lot of these new signings, you know, Malagusto is going to have to do exactly the same when he comes in the summer, but we have to give them time. The, the final question I do want to ask you as well, um, now that Graham Potter has been backed to an extent, let's let's be honest, we still haven't really addressed every area. You know, we still need potentially a... a and out and out number nine, which is what I think we need. But now he's been backed. Let's say we get pre you know, we're, we're we're five six games in. He's only won two. Uh, uh, what do we still back him? Do we still do we still give him the time? Yeah, I, I always said give him a transfer window, and then we'll start. You know, making having our opinions. And I think now it's the part where you start to think there's no more excuses. The pressure is on. Um, Fans will start to be a, more, a lot more disappointed than they were should their, the results not go away. And I'm also really curious to see his game plan over two Champions League games. This mm. is when you really start to you know see the elite managers and th- those ones are separated from those that aren't. Maybe they'll have those game plans ready. You know, you, 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 you've won in Germany two 0 How do you play? The, how do you play out the second game at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, and I think that's what Tuchel did so well um, in his Champions League um, t- winning campaign. And this is where I'm going to start to think is to, is part of the right man that we want long term if he doesn't have these game plans for these type of games. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Um, which players can we use in this league? We spoke about that earlier. I can't remember what point, but um, we definitely spoke about it. But yeah, we've, we've got a loophole so we can sign and uh, register a lot of players under the category B section under that threshold. And then we, I think we can utilise the, the three remaining spaces and obviously the Jorginho space that was being occupied as well. So we should be good in terms of the Champions League. Um, but Theo, as always, enjoy tonight's game. I know you'll be you'll be there. Um, it's, it's actually, it's cold, but it's actually about 12 degrees up here, which is... At, it feels like a summer's day. It feels there's no central heating on or nothing. So it's actually a nice sort of sorry day. Um, but enjoy the game. 
Uh, we've both said 2-1. So hopefully we're right. Um, I think Chris said 2-0. Memory stirs me correct. So hopefully one of us is right. Um, as always, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel, smash that like button, uh, give this video a watch, share it with all your friends and everyone else as well. Um, and as always, Theo, thank you very much for joining me. This has been episode 80 of From the Shed End. Until next time, stay safe and thank you very much for watching.